0: Hey, good morning, everyone. It's Friday. It's Friday again. I feel like things are just moving really fast and I can't really keep up with um, what actually happened even yesterday for the most part. My days have been either long or I'm home by four and I wanna go to sleep by seven. So, you know, that's just how my week is going. Um, The time change, I'm adjusting. In case you were wondering, I'm adjusting now. I'm going to be fine. You don't have to worry about me. Um, I want to have a kingdom conversation this morning. It has just come to my attention that um, the, the good news isn't just about Jesus. I know, shocker, huge shocker, but it's actually about the kingdom that Jesus was bringing with him. Do you remember when the word is diving in? Are you good with this? Like this is like full speed, no, no fluff. We're just going in. Are you guys okay with that? Give me a thumbs up. Anyway, um, so when, when the disciples asked Jesus, like how how do we pray? Do you remember what he told them? He gave them actually a prayer. And and so much of us wants um we want to memorize things, we want to, we want something to lean into, we want. Um, we, we want a system, right? We want, we want something that is going to work every single time without fail. And I think that that's what the disciples were after also. And and Jesus tells them, well, pray like this. Our father who's in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right. And, and I'm not going to tell you the rest of it. You can go read it for yourself, or you probably have it memorized. If you've been in the church for any length of time, you have that memorized. I had it memorized before I had my first communion, raised Catholic. Um, anyway, so that was that was what he was um, instructing them to pray. But listen, so it, this morning I was like, "This is interesting, Jesus. Like you, you taught them this prayer to pray to pull on the knowledge of the kingdom of heaven being established on the earth." Do you know what I think that he was setting them up to do? pray for him because he came with the kingdom inside of him. He had established the relationship with the father that, that we try to do, right? Like we're still trying instead of settling into what Jesus has already done. We're still trying to establish that same kind of relationship with Jesus, but he is like, Jesus pulled a fast one on them. He's like, I'm going to teach you to pray for me. That that I have the strength and endurance to actually make it to the end, right? And we know that when Jesus is in the garden, at, right before he's arrested, like he is in he is in a state of stress. Someone's texting me; that's crazy. Um, he's in a state of stress, and we know that he's like he's sweating blood, and and he says, "Father, if it is your will, let this cup pass from me." Like this is not Jesus trying to escape. He's not, listen, he's not the scapegoat in this scenario. He is the sacrificial lamb. And and so he's not, we read this wrong. We're like, oh, Jesus had this moment of like wanting to escape the, the cross. No. What he's praying actually is like, Father, give me endurance. I'm dying. Like my body is in so much stress. Listen, he's carrying the weight of the world. He's carrying the sin of the world on his own shoulders, and so he's saying, Father, give me endurance, right? Like help me to make it to the end. Like he just wanted to make it to the end. He wanted he wanted his partnership with the Father and, and the, the establishment of the kingdom to, to, to come to fruition through him. That was his only desire. He wanted to make it to the end. And that's why he's saying, Father, if it is your will that I not die right here and now, let this cup pass for me. And what did the father do? He sent the the angelic realm to comfort him, right? So he sets the disciples up with this this prayer, teaching them this prayer, like, pray like this, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's saying, I'm teaching you to pray for me, that I have endurance to make it to the end, that I will indeed establish the kingdom of heaven on the earth. So This prayer is not actually an assignment for us to stay in this space of contending, Father, let your kingdom be established on the earth, friends. Jesus did that. He established his kingdom on the earth already. It's a done deal. Sorry. There's nothing left for you to do except for enjoy it, to step into it. Do you guys? Oh wait, it's over here. Do you guys see this crazy like hair? Side note. Anyway, now now you're only going to look at that hair that's like sticking out. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> um. So anyway, I want to talk about more. I, I just I want to know more about the kingdom. We have spent so much time um, arguing over um the. Really, I mean, there's several different versions of the gospel that are out there. You can experience a different gospel in any given church on any given Sunday, and there is the the gospel of um, be good, so God will like you, right? We call that the sin gospel or the um, the angry father gospel. I, I, I don't I don't enjoy that one. That's not good news to me. Um, and then there's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, um, and, and I think that it, for us to even settle there, we're missing it, right? Because what Jesus did was come because all he talked about was the kingdom. That's all I talked about. He talked about the kingdom everywhere. He went, listen to this in, um, in Luke four, listen, if you haven't read Luke in a while, you probably should go revisit it because it is awesome. He says this, he, he, he heals many people and this is how he ends it. This is just, crazy to me. And, and this section, he's actually casting out demons. And and there's no trouble at all. Like the demons are just going. I know. Wow. Amazing. Like this, these are things that a, a friend of ours, we were in a prayer session and a friend of ours said, why should Africa have all the fun? Right? True. Why should Africa have all the fun? Listen, our, our demons are just disguised as um, religious duty. I know. Just give me a wow. That's wow. 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 Jesus help us. Or you can give an angry face. Why not? Be angry about that. So, anyway, he's casting out demons in the section. It's Luke 4, if I didn't say that already, and starting in like 38. And um, and, and it's it's absolutely incredible to he actually he heals um Peter's mother-in-law, and then he starts casting out demons. And um and this is what he says in verse 43. But let me actually back up to 42. At daybreak the next morning, the crowds came and searched everywhere for him. But Jesus had already left to go to a secluded place. When they finally found him, they held him tightly, begging him to stay with them in Capernaum. But Jesus said, don't you know there are other places I must go to and offer them the hope found in God's kingdom realm? This is what I have been sent to do. That's what he was sent to do. He was sent to come and establish the kingdom realm where there is hope for everyone to endure, right? To to know who they truly are, to listen. One of our favorite scriptures around here is Romans 8 something, and it's the all of creation is staying on tiptoe, waiting for the sons and daughters of glory to take their rightful place. I don't know what that means to you, but my guess is you're still playing it safe, Because we're talking about a kingdom realm that requires kings, right? And and I think that it would be really good for us to start studying earthly kings. Like, what does it look like, earthly royalty anyway? And, you know, the the closest we've got to that right now is probably England, where there is still royal um, heirs, being raised up as royalty. Like, what does that look like? And and how have we stepped outside of the the opportunity to be raised up as heirs and heiresses, right? And, And so we need to better understand, like, what does it mean for us to carry a royal heart, a royal mindset? The kingdom of heaven has already been established. That prayer that Jesus taught the disciples it's not going to work anymore because the kingdom has already been established. Ours is to just step into it. It's already here. We just need to step into it. Let's look at, um, oh gosh, this is so good too. I'm just all over the place. You're going to be fine. Trust me. Um, Jesus met with the disciples for 40 days um, before he ascended into the heavenly realm. And don't you love it? I mean, like, for me, it's like this this great mystery. Jesus actually tells the disciples, it is better for you that I go away and send the counselor, send the help. What? Like, that had to have been... Such a confusing thing for the disciples to hear because it's a confusing thing for me because I have leaned so heavily into the gospel of Jesus Christ and Him crucified that when we stop there, we stop short, right? Like we have to follow Him into resurrection. What, what was He offering us? You know, another really strange part of scripture, and this is in the Gospels when Jesus first appeared to them. I know you guys, I'm all over the place. It's fine, you're fine. It says that he came in and, and they were like, you know, he literally walked through the wall, like they're hiding out. Jesus walked through the wall and he comes and he shows them the wounds in his hands, his feet in his side. And then, you know what Jesus does? Jesus says something so very interesting. And we just like, these are the things that we just skim over because we don't understand. We're just like, whatever. He breathed on them. What? When in scripture do we find God breathing into or on his creation? At the beginning, right? He's breathing life, resurrection life into them. Jesus breathes into them. What? How do we skip past this? Like the kingdom of heaven is within him and he's sharing it. Jesus. Okay. So anyway, back to, to Acts. Um, in, let me just read this. It says just before he ascended into heaven, he left instructions for the apostles who had chosen, who he had chosen by the Holy spirit. After, after the sufferings of his cross, Jesus appeared alive many times. Isn't that interesting? He appeared many times to the same apostles over a 40 day period. Jesus proved to them with many convincing signs that he had been resurrected. Now, listen, we like to like look at them from a higher level going like you dumb disciples. Like, why did you need so much proof that it was really Jesus? We would have done the same thing. We would have been like, huh? Like how, 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 how did this happen? Right. And even, even after he breathes on them, he breathes like the the spirit of God into them, they're still like, is this real? Right? Because faith, right? Because unseen realm, right? Anyway, let me go on. Jesus proved to them many, with many convincing signs that he had been resurrected. During these encounters, he taught them the truths of God's kingdom realm and share, shared meals with them. Okay. Who's jealous? I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous of this. Like Jesus spends... 40 days with his friends downloading the kingdom realm. Wow. I want some of that. I want some of that. Like Jesus come and meet with us. And I know like he sent he sent help. He did. He sent the counselor. He sent the Holy Spirit. And, um, but that wasn't, Pentecost was not the disciples' first encounter with power, right? Like Jesus breathed it on them. That's mind blowing. Anyway, me too, events. I would absolutely love that. I am like, let's go, Holy Spirit. Like, I, this is what I feel like. I feel like there, what's available for us right now is like, there is a whole council of, of heavenly beings, whether that's the, um, the, the cloud of witness, the angelic Jesus himself, Holy Spirit's voice, all of that. I feel like that is what is available to us to sit in, to better understand what it means to walk in the kingdom realm, right? Anyway, I'll just leave that alone. Let's go to, um, we're going to go back to Luke and we're going to, um, oh gosh, chapter 17. You guys, this is so good. I just love Jesus. I love, I love it. I love all of this. This is so mysterious. And do you remember the scripture that says, um, it is the, the, the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it is the glory of who to reveal it. Whose, whose glory is it? It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it is the glory of Kings to search it out. I know. I know. And we we've spent so much time being afraid of usurping God's glory, making sure that we're like staying small. Right. We take we take John the Baptist's words of like, oh, I make myself little so that he can be big. I'm sorry. No, we're not playing that game anymore. Right. Like it's time to lay hold of the kingdom of heaven, to lay hold of our own rightful glory. All of creation is waiting for it. I I actually wish the scripture said this. All of creation is standing on tiptoe, waiting for the kings to take their rightful place, right? Waiting for kings to lay hold of what is actually theirs. And this is so ridiculous. You think that the slave mentality is ridiculous? Like we are all free in Christ, that we live as slaves? Well, this is even more ridiculous. We have riches untold available to us to establish, to further, it's already established. See, we just have to get used to new verbiage. It's already established, but to further, to expand the kingdom of God on the earth to make a difference. It's because we are not standing as kings It's not, you guys, it's not even enough. And we make a big deal about sonship around here. And it is, it's absolutely a big deal, but we can't stop short at sons. We have to progress into kings so that we are reigning and ruling in our rightful place. I hope, I hope you're excited. Where were we? Luke 17, listen to this. Starting in verse 20, God's kingdom realm within you. See, that's just it. We like to think of the kingdom realm as being somewhere out there. I know this is such a mind change. We need transformation of our minds. But it's actually in here. When Jesus breathed on the disciples, he was breathing the kingdom into their being. Okay, Jesus was once asked by the Jewish religious leaders, when will God's kingdom realm come? Well, gosh, Jewish religious leaders, question. Jesus responded, yes, yes, the kingdom is in, it's in you, it's in me. Jesus responded, God's kingdom realm does not come simply by obeying principles. It doesn't say to pause in his presence, but we need to, or by by waiting for signs. So depending on like where you land in this whole thing like maybe you're you're not uber religious and you're not following all of the rules right you're not trying to be good so God will like you but perhaps you're waiting for a sign the kingdom is not discovered in one place or another for God's kingdom realm is already expanding within some of you ha that's what I feel like is happening on a personal level, is that that the, that God's kingdom realm is expanding in, in some of me. How about you? Like, does anybody feel like that? And and if so, how are you gauging that? Like, what what does that feel like? I, I love to interact. You know, this is true. Anyway, so verse twenty-two. Later, Jesus addressed this again with his apostles saying. The time is coming when a great passion will be awakened within you to see me again. Yes, you will long to see the beginning of the days of the Son of Man, but you won't be able to find me. You will hear reports from some who will say, look, he has returned. He's over here. He's over there. Don't believe it or run after them, for their claim will be false. The day of the Son of Man will burst forth with the brightness of a lightning strike that shines from one end of the sky to the other, illuminating the earth. But before this takes place, the Son of Man must pass through great suffering and rejection from this generation. The same things that happened in the days of Noah will take place in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, and they were given in marriage until the day Noah boarded the ark and the devastating flood came and swept them all away. The days of the Son of Man can also be compared to the days of Lot. The people of that time lived their lives as normal. They got married, raised families, built homes and businesses, yet they were totally unaware of what was coming until the day Lot departed from Sodom. The sky opened up and rained fire and burning sulfur upon them, destroying everyone and everything they had built. So it will be on the day of the unveiling of the Son of Man. In the day of my appearing, if one is outside, he won't even have time to go back into the house to gather his belongings. And those toiling in their fields won't have time to run back home. Don't forget the example of Lot's wife and what happened to her when she turned back. All who are obsessed with being secure in life will lose it all, including their lives. But those who let go of their lives and surrender them to me will discover true life. See, these are the words that we cannot just skip over we can't breeze past them because we need to stop and be like okay holy spirit like what does that mean what is what is this true life like if you are one who has surrendered to your to your ability to the leading of the holy spirit you've surrendered you're like <laughs> i'm done fighting this like i i'm all in i i want in on the goodness of god what does what does that mean to discover true life and 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 perhaps you're you're there maybe you're you're right in the middle of the whole thing for in that night there will be two lying in their bed one will be suddenly swept away while the other will be left alive there will be two women working together at household duties one will be suddenly swept away while the other will be left alive his apostle asked apostles asked lord where will this judgment happen jesus responded it will be obvious for wherever there are those spiritually dead. There you will find the eagles circling. Now, I'm not going to break that down. I don't want to break it down. I want you to break it down because it is the glory of the Lord to conceal a matter. and It is the glory of kings to search it out. So get to searching. Uh, Lisa, it feels like rattling within me. I can feel it going through my body and expanding to the atmosphere around me. Yes. Like that's, that's how it should. Like, I I feel like we, when we play little, when we play small, and I've been accused of that several times and we're like, "Mm, I'm just going to keep it all to myself and, and listen, like that's, that's, I'm just going to say it. That's demonic. It is. It's demonic for us to keep revelation, truth. Life and more life, abundance, um, our giftings, uh, all of those things. It's it's demonic to keep it to ourselves. And the thing is, is like you're going to come up against that. You're going to to have these moments of like, "Mm, well, I'm just going to sit in this for myself for a little bit and not actually share this kingdom revelation with everyone around me. And the thing is, is like, do you remember the lady at the well? that Jesus went out of his way to meet with at the well. Do you remember what she did? The moment that she had kingdom knowledge, do you remember what she did? She ran and told. She told everyone. She could not keep that news to herself. She, she was so eager for everyone to experience what she had experienced. Listen, what she carried prior to that held everyone hostage. This is how powerful we are. What what she was walking in prior to this this encounter with Jesus, she was was expanding that for everyone around her to experience that. Everyone around her knew. Everyone knew what it was that she was going through. They could feel it. She was shifting the atmosphere in an unhealthy way. But the moment that she encounters living water, right? The moment that she encounters the kingdom, her knee-jerk reaction— because she's been upgraded to royalty, is to go establish within everyone. See, it's not enough to just meet together one day a week and hope that somehow magically it's all going to spread because you walked into a room. That's absolutely ridiculous. You have to use what God has given you to go tell, to go establish, to go spread the news. And listen, it's it's good news. If it's not good news, shut up. Right. Can we be that bold to be like, I I just I think that it's actually our job as royalty, as heirs, to actually stop the bad news from being spread. I mean, like, can we do that? Can we be like, oh, whoa, like you're missing some major ingredients here. God isn't. He's not a slave driver. He's not waiting for you to get your crap together. He already did what he's going to do, right? Like that's already been done. There isn't going to be like some magical moment that is like just stored up for you where Jesus is gonna somehow step out of heaven and crucify himself all over again just for you. That's absolutely ridiculous. Everything that has been done or is going to be done on your behalf, it was done. It's finished. Our job is to search out all that is ours. Right? We need to we need to put on our dang crowns and our royal robes and get moving. We just need to. Um, I, I want to go to one other spot of scripture because I think this is this is just it's so good for us to realize like what what's actually on the mind of of heaven concerning us. And I think this is just so very good. Um, oh gosh, and I didn't actually write down the specific verse. It's okay. I found it. Um, So 1 Corinthians 15. um, It says this. This is so good, you guys. Um, Oh, we have to start at 16. If the dead aren't raised up, that would mean that Christ has not been raised up either. And if Christ is not alive, you are still lost in your sins and your faith is a fantasy. It would also mean that those believers in Christ who have passed away have simply perished. If the only benefit of our hope in Christ is limited to this life on earth, we deserve to be pitied more than all the others. But the truth is, Christ is risen from the dead and the first fruit of a great resurrection harvest of those who have died. For since death came through a man, Adam, it is fitting that the resurrection of the dead has also come through a man, Christ. Even as all who are in Adam die, so also All who are in Christ will be made alive, but each one in his proper order, Christ, the first fruits, then those who belong to Christ in his presence, then, this is a really good part, you guys, then the final stage of completion comes when we will bring an end to every other rulership, authority, and power, and he will hand over his kingdom to Father God. Until then, he is destined to reign as king until all hostility has been subdued and placed under his feet. And the last enemy to be subdued and eliminated is death itself. The last enemy to be subdued is death itself. So that answers the question, why do we step in and um, contend to raise the dead because we are partnering with subduing the final enemy. That's how much power he's invested in us as his heirs. He's given us the authority to command life back into dead bodies just because we aren't seeing the outcome that we hope for, that we long for. We are partnering with that final enemy, death being subdued. Listen, as kings, as royal heirs, it is our job to partner with the commission that Jesus handed off to his disciples, his apostles, however you want to view it, to heal the sick, cast out demons, and raise the dead. The reason why we do that is because we are partnering with his dominion, his authority, and his final act of subduing death itself. There will be a day and we will all be a part of it, whether whether in the the physical realm or in the, the kingdom realm, the unseen realm as the cloud of witness, when we will all stand in cheer because the final enemy, death, no longer plays a role in humanity's life. That's good news, friends. That's the good news. That's the good news that we carry. So the same thing goes for sickness, right? We have to view all of these things in that regard. So the, the sickness that, that is all around us, listen, all of us know someone who is sick or hurt broken, wounded, mentally ill, we all know people who are struggling with something. It is our job as kings, as heirs, to partner with the authority that he's given us. Remember, Jesus breathed the kingdom into his disciples. He didn't just tell them go and do these things without giving them the authority to do it. Jesus himself breathed his own life, his own authority, his own dominion into us so that we would carry out what he began, right? It's actually our job to stand as Christ and do the things that he did. He's given us the authority to do it. So we need to go and we need to tell sickness, you cannot exist here in this realm. The problem is, is that we don't come in the authority of Christ, we're dabbling in power and we don't know what it's attached to. We don't rightly regard who he is. When we stand in a, a holy reverence of, of who he is, we will begin to see these healings just begin to pop. We will, I promise you. And that's not a formula. That's not a formula, but we have to know who we are. We have to know whose we are and and the full dominion. We have to convince ourselves of what is real. What is real is what he's done, what he has fully done on our behalf. He's given us dominion. He gave dominion back. Actually, we lost dominion in the garden, right? He's given the dominion back to us to rule and reign on the earth. And that looks like healing the sick, casting out demons, and raising the dead. Or if it's helpful for you to practice healing, practice casting out demons, And practice raising the dead. So I will leave it at that. Let's, let's do, let's continue to um, search it all out, you guys. We need to search out what this kingdom life is, is about. What, what is actually available to us? And, and I'll leave you with this final thought. Because we are not all walking in our royal authority, we, we all have, um, so there is kingdom dominion and then there's dominion that he has poured into each of us as individuals. The moment that we said yes to him, he gave us dominion and authority over something. So, um, we all have a sphere of influence or a metron, if you will. And the problem is, is that we aren't actually wielding our authority in that realm. And so um, if there is if there is poverty, if there is lack if there is sickness if there is death if there is demonic influence it's because somebody hasn't taken their their space their spot within their metron metron they're not they're not wielding their authority in that place they don't rightly know who they are because when somebody stands in their place of authority everyone around them should be affected or influenced or um anyway, I won't go on, by what they carry, by the authority that is just being released out of them at any given moment. So the, the questions that we've been asking ourselves is what do we bring to the table and what table is waiting for us? I I think that, that until we can really answer that, we won't be able to affect change in our sphere of influence. Like I, I want to see, I want to see my entire city Affected by the authority that I carry and that you carry, but that can't happen until we get over ourselves and stand in our rightful place. Like, I, you have to be willing to give up your reputation or the reputation that you think you have, right? We we have to get we have to get over our comforts. Like, um, anyway, I'm not going to go any further. I just want to leave you with that. So go search it out. Search it out, people hey, listen, put on your crown and put on your royal robes because it's who you are. You're an heir. Ask God what's yours. Walk in it. It's that simple. Love you. Be blessed. Bye.